and welcome to the Amateur of Life and Death podcast. I'm Luke Plimmer. And I'm Laura East. Each episode takes a look at a different aspect of the world of amateur theatre and features an amateur theatre maker talking about their theatrical life, theatrical loves and the times when they've died on stage. Our backstage pass feature takes us behind the scenes at the Crescent Theatre, Birmingham to discover more about what goes into making a great amateur production. This month's episode focuses on Neil Laboot's 9-11 relationship drama, The Mercy Seat. We'll be talking to actor and director Robin Dickinson about her life and loves in amateur theatre. Robin is directing the Crescent Theatre's upcoming production of the play. Meanwhile, Liz has been behind the scenes of a photo shoot for a poster for the Crescent's summer 2023 production of The Taming of the Shrew to find out more about what goes into getting the perfect picture to sell a show. So we're very, very delighted to welcome now onto the podcast Robin. Robin, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for inviting Lovely. me. Thank you. So although The Mercy Seat will be your first show that you've directed at the Crescent, I believe that you were a member of the Crescent Youth Theatre in your younger days. So can you tell me about that? I was. It was quite a while ago. It's uh, 1988, to be honest. Um, I was in the Youth Theatre's production of Animal Farm. Nice. Um, and I actually found the programme recently and it's got a few familiar names who are still <laughs> members today which is really nice Brilliant. um yeah so i played a pony <laughs> nice um yeah so it was, it was great times and this was at the old site sure um so yeah i've not been here since we've been in this new building yeah. okay so what drew you to the play the mercy seat and what does the title of the piece refer to Ah, right. Well, the mercy seat is actually the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, I didn't know this. Okay. <laughs> so it's the first thing that I looked up and the actors looked up as well. Um, so it's where Moses gets his instructions from right. God. And also you sit there to ask for mercy or atonement, yeah. which now makes sense in the <laughs> context of the play where both of these characters, um, they're not very pleasant <laughs> and are seriously in need of forgiveness. I really like gritty plays and the darker the better. So um, I, I read the play and I loved it from the word go, to be honest. So there wasn't a question about whether I was sure. going to try and direct this. Um, it's characters in an impossible situation. The fact yeah. that they're trapped. And in this case, you have two characters on stage for 90 minutes there's no interval and that's the type of play i love um the play takes place on 12th of september 2001 um, in the aftermath of the twin towers attacks how much research have you and the cast done into this piece of recent history um we've done a lot the first the initial thing that we did was discuss where we were how old we were which is interesting um at the time so the time of the attacks i was teaching uh, Joe was still a school child <laughs> and um, Angela was in Norway and we were discussing the different situations. She couldn't travel, obviously all the restrictions then. Um, people's immediate reaction to this being quite surreal. It almost felt like you were glued to the news and as though you were watching a movie more than real life, real news events. Um, so that was really interesting, our own personal first-hand accounts. And then we did more research on the internet, documentaries. Um, and that was regularly sort of ongoing throughout the rehearsal process. So we could bring layers of depth to it. Yeah, were you finding more perspectives from um, American reactions, for example, and whether they were very different to, to your own personal ones? Because yes. I was at school as well, so I, I remember yeah, it very vividly. 
Yeah, I just have a memory because I was about six at the time. I, I just, all my, I know, right? <laughs> all my memory was just seeing on the news that a plane had crashed into a building, but that, that obviously, being six year old, I had no awareness, even know, of what was properly going on. But yeah, different perspectives. Mm. But even as an adult, I think you thought that somebody had just lost control of the plane mm. and that it was a tragic accident. Yeah. Until the second Until time. The, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to. American perspectives. I've got a few American friends, yes, and I asked them. And the most interesting one was a lady who her daughter had booked for them to go to breakfast that morning in the restaurant at the top of the wow. South Tower, I think it is, which is the restaurant on top of the world. Mm. Um, and for some reason, she changed her mind that morning and said, let's go and have breakfast somewhere else. And it was just before the planes had hit. I mean, oh, that's a real lucky escape, that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you can't really say anything to that, can yeah. you? I think without um, without any spoilers, there's some similar themes a bit in the play, aren't there? So there is that sort of thing quite useful some, to explore? Yeah, narrow escapes, definitely. So what have been the biggest challenges, do you think, in staging the play? Have you approached them as a director? Well, I... Again, I find challenges really exciting. I don't like to stage something as you would normally expect mm. it to, or traditionally. Mm. Um, so initially, I said I wanted to create a very claustrophobic atmosphere. So we've decided to set this in traverse staging, which is like an avenue. So you've got audience on both sides, on two sides of the action. Yeah. And it's almost like standing either side of a road. Right. And the whole performance space is long and thin in between. And so you've got two front rows that are very close to the action and feel like they're in the apartment. Um, and at the same time, you've got two characters, as I mentioned before, that are continuously on stage. They don't get an interval. They don't get a break. There is nowhere to hide. They yeah. don't actually go off stage at all throughout that entire time. Um, so that's been part of the challenge, that and keeping that exciting, that it's not a 90-minute argument between a couple. So we had to say, take it as read that there are moments where they don't get on, but there are also tender moments and humorous moments, um, which seems odd given the subject matter. But, yeah. Um, the play is not really about 9-11. It's about this couple. It's mm. about responses to and that was the biggest challenge, making sure that it didn't become sort of glum or too depressing. Yeah. Really. Uh, that sounds quite emotionally intense for just the two actors and, and for you. Um, how do you all look after each other in that scenario? We've done a lot of Meisner work in preparation for this. And Meisner basically said, uh, you need to focus on your partner. Mm. And... They're unaware of an audience. Obviously, part of their mind is going to be aware that they're being watched. But it intentionally, they're focusing on their partner um, performing. They are in that apartment. Um, and we've done lots of exercises where they're just focusing and cutting out every other sort of distraction. Um, and that's really helped. And they've said the more that they've done that and focused on the other person, the less they've been stuck in their own head and worried about their performances and you know waiting for their cues um so it's really about listening to the other person um and that's helped and then we've gone for drinks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh that's been the more fun side without spoilers obviously do you have a favorite moment or favorite speech or line in the play can you tell us about that 
Oh, there are so many. Um, and I did think about this. I thought, what's my favourite line? And I even asked the actors as well what theirs were. And there are so many that we like. The trouble is, they're all within a context. Sure. So they may not work on their own. Okay. Um, but one of my favourites is that Abby, she's a high-flying businesswoman, and she goes on about, uh, she gives these conferences and training about empowerment in the workspace. She says, and when I'm giving these training, how do you think it makes me feel that I'm sleeping with one of my employees? And Ben simply replies, I don't know, clever? um yes there is an awful lot of humor in this play so don't be um, distracted or under the impression that it's going to be gloomy it won't at all sure the mercy seat was one of the first theatrical responses to the events of 11th september being first performed in 2002 it's now just over 20 years old how do you think a 2023 audience will read the piece differently to an audience when it first came out in 2002 I think in 2002, it was really brave, possibly insensitive of, of yeah. Leboot to write it so soon after the event. So mm. I can imagine it was very, very sensitive. I think now we're a little bit more distanced sure. from it. Um, but I think there's going to be members of the audience who can relate to it and will remember where they are. And there'll be a lot who weren't even born then. And that's what's crazy. I was thinking my eldest son who's now an adult, was born in 2003. Mm. And I just assumed that it was within his lifetime. And then when I thought about it, um, you realise that to a lot of people, this is now just a historical event. Yeah. Run something in their lifetime, just as COVID will be many years' time. Yeah. Um, but I think they will they will still enjoy it because uh, they they know the event, they know what happened they know the effects of it obviously it leading into the afghanistan war and so on um but also it's i just want to keep bringing it back to the 9 11 event is the background to this but it's really about the characters it's about how we respond in a time of crisis yeah. does it bring out the selfless hero in us or does it bring out the selfish person where's our moral compass sure Okay, so Robin, can you tell us about your first love? Well, his name was... No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> My first love has always been drama. Uh, it used to be performing more than anything. When I was at school doing school plays, I was at Sunday school and we did the Bible stories. Um, and obviously, as we've mentioned, I was in the Crescent Youth Theatre um, and did plays there. So I've always loved performing. And then as I carried on studying A-level and degree, performing arts, I prefer to focus in directing. Mm. I just really like the idea of overseeing the whole production and pulling it all together. Um, but you may still see me on stage as well. So. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. Can I be nosy ask, uh, what was the first play you directed? No. <laughs> but, I mean, recently I've directed uh, a bunch of amateurs, um, I've directed a Grim and Twisted Tales. I can tell you about that. Nice. I'm very proud of that. Please. That is something that I wrote um, and collaborated with my son, who's a musician, and we created our own musical called Grim and Twisted Tales. Wow. Based on the Grim Brothers' tales, as you know. Yeah. 
but also featuring the Grimm brothers as characters within it. And then we tell six tales wow. within that. Um, and then my son obviously composed the music. And this was our lockdown project. Yeah. So we didn't sit there letting the grass so, grow. So it's recent then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing that I'm most proud of, that we really use that time well. And then we produced that with another theatre company. And that was challenging because remember the time where only six could rehearse together yeah. in a space um and there were seven characters in this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to keep deciding who's not coming to rehearsals today um yes so there were challenging circumstances so it's always that sort of lockdown memory and overcoming those yeah. challenges along the way and then it was an outdoor performance because again it was before we could move yeah. indoors so, Robin, what's been the love of your theatrical life? My theatrical love was just to keep going, no matter what the obstacles were, that you could do that. Um, and we did have many challenges. We just manoeuvred these things. And I think that's something really to be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody just kept going. We yeah. didn't let it put us down. That I'm really, really proud of that. And I think it will be for a long time. Brilliant. So, can you tell us about the one that got away? Oh, well, I wouldn't say that there was a play or a particular character that has gotten away or that I've chosen not to play. In fact, it was the one that I didn't get. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fair enough. Um, and it's not that I... Okay, so in sixth form, we were putting on a production of Cabaret. Right. And as you can imagine, anybody who knows the play knows it's full of scantily clad, sexy young women. And when you're 17, 18, you want to wear all the sexy stuff and and play those roles. Um, so I was very excited about it. And then I ended up getting cast as Fräulein Schneider, the 70-year-old, <laughs> who sings a song about a pineapple. So... <laughs> Not the sexiest uh, role. In fact, I always seem to get the old lady roles. I don't know. So at the moment, you thought, that's it, I'm directing from this point on. That's it. If I can't get the sexy roles. <laughs> we should call the, t- the episode that about that. <laughs> I'll direct. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, brief aside, I've been getting cast as people's mums since I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> Including my older sister's mum. <laughs> Tell us about a time when you died on stage. Ah, well, I haven't died actually on stage. That's okay. But I used to die every week um, <laughs> when I was part of a murder mystery Of course. Company. So we'd go nice. to hotels and do murder mystery oh, evenings. Um, and, yeah, more often than not, I was murdered. <clears throat> and it'd be in some beautiful settings. The best place to be killed, to be honest. <laughs> And I remember this really funny story. There was, um, I, I think I was playing a millionaire, S, and I had some wonderful, I was wearing my really posh diamante type shoes and uh, I was looking in the real business and I had to die on these stairs, on this, <laughs> on this staircase. And I was lay there and obviously you're trying to hold your breath and not breathe and everybody, all the guests come out and see the body and then they should go back into the room and sure. then you can breathe again. Mm. Well, they stayed there for ages. Oh. <laughs> I'm literally going to die here. Um, and as I was lying there with my eyes closed, holding my breath, I could hear somebody say, well, if she's dead, I'll have her shoes. <laughs> and then trying not to laugh. <laughs> oh. So that was, uh, yeah, that's my most memorable death. <laughs> 
That is the best answer I've ever heard to that question. I love it. Uh, Robin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank it's been you. an absolute delight and we cannot wait to see the mercy seat. It's fantastic. That yeah. is it. And now we hand over to Liz, who's been behind the scenes on a photo shoot for a poster to publicise a future Crescent production. Thanks, Luke. Today I'm going to be taking our listeners behind the scenes of a photo poster shoot. The shoot is taking place for a poster for The Taming of the Shrew, which is the Crescent Theatre's summer tour production, being performed in June and July 2023. I'm also going to be directing this production of The Taming of the Shrew, so I'm attending this photo shoot with both my director and podcaster hats on today. Here at the Crescent Theatre, we use a variety of poster styles to publicise our shows each season. We use graphics, sometimes we use stock images, sometimes we use text-based and and interesting fonts for the posters. And for some of our shows each season, we take a photograph ourselves. So we use actors as models, we enlist the services of our theatrical photographer, Graham Braidwood. We ask the wardrobe department to provide costumes and between them, the marketing manager and the director... If a director has been appointed, because sometimes the shoots take place quite far ahead of the show actually going on, so it's not always the case um, that a director is in place at that point, all these people get together and we're involved in trying to create hopefully an interesting and thought-provoking image to sell the show. So today we've got two actors with us, Alastair and Charlotte. We've got the costume designer Stuart Snape, marketing manager Rob Laird, photographer Graham Braidwood and myself involved in this project. And we're going to be doing the shoot against a large plain wall, which we've used before for our photo posters, and we know it works pretty well, up in the Crescent Bar. So let's go. So I'm here in the Crescent Bar on a dreary January Sunday morning, and I'm joined by various participants in a photo poster shoot that we're doing for the Crescent's forthcoming touring production of The Taming of the Shrew. I'm joined by Rob Laird, who's the Crescent's marketing manager. Rob, tell me a little bit about the rationale for deciding which productions have a photo poster of some actors or willing models um, and how you make that decision. Well, we do try to have a range of types of images for our posters. Very often they are not photos. In fact, the majority of them aren't photos. So the ones that we choose to have photos taken of actors is really dependent upon, in my view, where the poster is going to go. We generally use photo posters for our touring productions uh, and those Productions themselves are generally more traditional. In the past, there's uh, it's where we've put Oscar Wilde, for example, or our uh, with productions of Pride and Prejudice, looking back a little while longer, and Shakespeare, of course, in the example of The Taming of the Shrew, which we are here to do a photo shoot for today. And those posters go out to our touring venues, and there they, re- they are seen by a wider audience, a wider market, because of my particular area of expertise, a different market than the majority of the Crescent posters do. And they're attractive in a different kind of way. They're maybe a little bit more traditional. They are uh, obviously representing the actors who are not necessarily always in the production, but... The production hasn't been cast yet. The production has not been cast in this one. (laughs) But... It also gives a chance for 
actors of the Crescent to be to be seen in the wide, big wide world out there. I think it also gives an opportunity to show off some of our fantastic wardrobe department. Yes, absolutely. Today we've got Stuart Snape, who is uh, who has gone rooting through our massive collection of wardrobe to find just the right very very snazzy suit for our uh, for our male model i'm sure you'd appreciate being called a male model <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so it's, it's it does give us a chance to really show off some of the amazing assets that we do have in our wardrobe the both of them looking great today i suppose also with a touring production um having been involved in a few of them myself over the years we tend not to have any set so really, in terms of the visuals of, of the production, it's the lovely setting of the mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. historic building, the stately home, the botanical yes, gardens yes. or wherever we're performing, and the costumes that mm. need to create that aesthetic. Mm. So this kind of poster shoot gives us an opportunity to show off you know, that aspect. of yeah, Oh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. It really does add as a... It does become a kind of conversation between the, the production and the performance space which is why I've always really appreciated the tour. Thanks, Rob. Thank you. So I'm now joined by Stuart Snape. Stuart is an actor, director, costume designer, and has put together the costumes for the photo poster shoot that we have just done for The Taming of the Shrew. So Stuart, um, how do you go about selecting costumes for something like uh, a photo poster shoot? Well, I think with a but a photo shoot, it's even more um, important, really, to get the details right in the costumes because mm. um, they're there and they're static once the, the finished poster is done and everyone can examine every detail. You don't just see someone walk across the stage in something fleetingly or whatever, um, and you do notice every detail. So I think it's important to have something that's quite striking, um, that draws will draw people's attention, and I also like to have um, coordinating colours. It doesn't, nothing has to be sort of matchy-matchy, but it has to have a relationship. If there are two people in it, then whatever they're wearing has to relate to each other in some way, I think. Yes, it, they tend to be, although we've had quite a few variations um, over the years, a sort of waist-up type shot. So mm. as you say the level of focus that somebody looking at it might have on the detail is actually probably greater than seeing something on stage where the actors may be 50 metres away from you and yeah. you're seeing the whole. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, people do sort of home in on a poster, hopefully. I mean, that's the whole point of it. So uh, we need to get the details right for that. So. I mean, in, in the shoot we've just done, you were repositioning a hat brim, mm, um, yeah. pinning a the side of a dungaree together, <laughs> yeah. all really to try and, um, as you said, get the details right, but also avoid anything that unintentionally distracts the eye. That's right, yeah, that's that's what you don't want to happen. You don't want anything that's, that's there, but you don't want people necessarily to focus on it. You want them to focus on what you want them to focus on. So Absolutely. you have to get the details right. And, so, yeah. And the hat brim, um, it's, it's, it's all about shadows, isn't it, with photography. And uh, yeah. you can't have someone's face in too much shadow unless that's what you intend. So. so I think quite often in these kind of photo shoots, we end up producing something that looks good on camera, but it isn't actually how people might even wear the costumes in real mm. life. So you wouldn't maybe tip the hat brim back as far as 
Alistair did in that shoot, mm. but it looks right and it avoided that shadow on his face. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. You so, don't necessarily have to wear things accurately. They just have to look right for that moment and for that image that you want to capture. So, yeah. so how is the process and experience of costuming a photo poster different from costuming a whole production? Um, well, it's much quicker normally to, to, um, to find things for a photo shoot. Um, you have um, an, uh, a brief, really, from the director or from the marketing manager. And then you have to sort of, and you know who you're going to costume normally. So it's just um, maybe one or two people. So yeah. it's quite quick. And then you have something in your mind and you go down to wardrobe and try and find it. And hopefully it will fit the person and it will look okay. And uh, that's, it's a much quicker process, really. I suppose so, having a really thorough knowledge of what we have in stock is helpful, though. It is. That, that is helpful, yeah. I mean, I know where most things are down there, and I know roughly what we've got and what sizes things are. And I've done quite a lot of costuming now, where, which has given me the experience of being able to sort of look at most people and say, well, I think this might fit you, or mm. I don't think that will work, or whatever. So, yeah, it's, um, it's and interesting. <laughs> We're in the um, sewing room actually at the moment and I noticed that a lot of previous photo posters are on the walls in here. Is that oh. something that you like to keep to sort of look back on? Yeah, it is. I find it a useful reference point as well, you know, so that um, we can see what works. And not all of them, I think, have worked. But um, the recent ones that we've done, I think, have all been pretty strong images and uh, especially things like the Duchess of Malfi and mm. uh, Lady Windermere's fan and things like that. They've, they've, they've worked really well and um, I think they do, I think they draw people in to maybe think, oh, I might go and see that. You know, so that's, yeah. that's what we hope anyway. So Absolutely. And I think and I, a good image goes a long way. Don't want to put you on the spot here, but are you pleased with the, the shot that we've got today? Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I didn't know what, what you in particular had in mind for the two characters that were, were, we were shooting today. But um, yeah, I think it's worked really well. It's a really interesting image. So, yeah, well done. Well, thank you for the fantastic costume and hair. It's not just costume, I should say. It's also the hair, the makeup, mm. anything really um, about how the actor looks. So, mm. Yeah, well, with someone like Charlotte as well, I mean, she, she knows how to do her own makeup, more or less. And, and the hair was quite an easy kind of thing to achieve, the, the look that we wanted. So we didn't have to get a hairdresser in for it. So yeah. it was... Quite good. Yeah. Thank you, Stuart. Thanks okay. very much. So we've just wrapped the actual photo shoot and I'm now joined by Graham Braidwood. Graham is a professional theatre photographer and also a member of the Crescent. Graham, how does doing a photo poster shoot like the one that we've just done differ from the work that you do when you're taking rehearsal or production shots? Uh, it's completely different. It's it's actually the very opposite. So in rehearsal, and especially dress rehearsal, I'm just kind of a fly on the wall. I'm just there to take whatever's in front of me. I'm always saying to people in rehearsal, just don't change anything. They want to do things for me. I, mean, yeah. I just want to take pictures of what's happening. Mm. I don't care about the mess in the background. That's part of the process. But the poster is completely different. You know, you want to have control of everything. Yeah. So lighting, um, the actors, what they're doing, how they're posed. There's always something in that image that you forget to just 
removed, so it's completely different. I don't also, even going towards the post, post-taking of the shots, with my normal stuff, it's just, I crop it, and that's pretty much it. With this, I get to play, you know, I can do yeah. Photoshop, I can colorize it, I can do, it's quite nice to do that stuff occasionally. So it's much more directed shots as we've just experienced mm. in the picture we've just taken. There are challenges to that as well. So we've just taken a shot of Alistair and Charlotte for a production that hasn't auditioned yet, mm. and which they may not even want to audition for or, you know, almost, you know, quite likely won't be in. Mm -hmm. um, so you're directing people to play characters that they're not playing. How do you approach that? Um, they probably know as much about the play as I do, which is nice to have you here as the director. <laughs> On this occasion, yes, um, yes. But yes, often you just need to take charge. And I do think it's better, it's more important to have an image that's attractive, that's eye-catching, rather than we're telling the story. Which are, when, when a writer certainly is in on a shoot, they often say, well, this character wouldn't do, didn't do that or wouldn't do mm. that. It's like, I don't, that's not actually, we need to get people into the theatre. We don't yeah. need to tell the story of the show. So it, we're looking for an intriguing image rather yeah. than necessarily a, a picture that summarises the whole plot or a significant Exactly. I think if you tell point. the story too much, you kind of end up with that, oh, this sounds a, a bit snobby. It is snobby. Um, that sort of provincial newspaper of a, of a group, they're trying to tell the story of what they're doing, a fun run or something. So you, you have know. to have everybody in it, all the props, lots of set, exactly. lots of detail, which often actually isn't the right yes. thing for a or poster that people are going to see walking past the theatre, maybe. That's right, even pointing, we're doing this. Yeah. Whereas I think theatre just needs to have a bit more mystery to it. So do you find your experience as an actor, director and stage manager helps you with these kind of shots? Uh, as a director... Certainly, I do find my directing senses <laughs> kind of get, they they get they get tingled a, a little, and I think no matter how um, think well, I'm just the photographer here. I always end up <laughs> kind of putting in my uh, you know opinions and. Um, but I, I, I think that's great, and that's what makes these shoots actually quite creative. So. Unusually today, we haven't deviated that much from no. the idea we came in on. But the I first, have, yes, exactly. Yeah. Your first idea is what we've ended up with. I can't remember the last time so we did Mo, that. So I've done a few shoots with you over the years and in lots as both a, an actor or someone in the shot and also a director or someone, you know, overseeing mm. it to some extent. And I think almost always we've ended up with something that isn't what we came yes. in thinking we were trying to yes. do. Which is also fine. As long as you've got one idea that starts you off on that. So you, you start off, look at it, and think, oh, well, maybe we'll try this. And wherever you end up, it's fine. Yeah. But this one, your idea, <laughs> you brought up that barrel from the basement and we used it. Incredible. It, yeah, it often doesn't happen that way, but I actually think, you know, that's kind of the fun of it as well. It is a bit like a, a weird kind of rehearsal 
where you don't know exactly what's yeah. going to happen. You know, like what the script is, or you've got this idea, and then people bring what they bring. The actors bring stuff. The photographer brings stuff. Exactly. Rob, the marketing manager, Stuart, who's yeah. done costumes. On this case, me, because I'm directing the show, but often the director may not even have been appointed yet. Yeah. Um, and I quite like watching that process of how all these different things, it sort it of is. all somehow it's comes It's really together. organic, but it happens in a very short space of yeah. time, isn't it? So it's, it's that lovely thing that happens in a rehearsal room, but actually we just condense, condense it into, into one or two hours. Condense into 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or 45 minutes, yeah. yeah. So if you had to only take one type of theatre photograph for the rest of your career, what would you take? Rehearsal? production or these kind of oh you do headshots as well I should say headshots or these kind of shots yeah that's a really hard question and not one that's likely to one you face well I'd, pro I'd probably try I'd probably pick the dress rehearsal pictures where you've got the costumes yeah and the and the lights you see the but then again the rehearsal period the rehearsal shots are really nice just watching that process, but I get I get very jealous at that point, you know, because yeah. I want to I want to take part yeah. in that rather than just take <laughs> pictures of it. So, yeah, that's a bit mean. Ask me to, just to do the one, but dress rehearsal. I don't pictures. think it's likely to be no. something you have to decide <laughs> no. on, really. But yeah, absolutely great. Well, thanks ever so much, Graham, and uh, we look forward to seeing the the finished poster. Great. Okay, I'm joined now by Alistair and Charlotte Hurst, who have just performed the vital role of actor slash models for the photo poster shoot for The Taming of the Shrew. Hi, Alistair and Charlotte. Hello. Hello. So I guess, having just been through the process, my, my first question would be, how was it for you? It was, it was interesting, actually, because it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think it's more difficult than you think. Yeah. In what way? I think having to... Like, as an actor, you spend so much time with words and with movement. So just having your face to, mm. to give all the emotion and all the, all the um, expression that you're trying to portray. And you want to give as many, like, options as you uh, can. And it's quite difficult when a camera's going click, 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 yeah. to try and just, like, move a bit of your face every without, single time. Without also, without moving your, like, angle. You have to stay yeah, in the same so place. Yeah, so it's a very composed shot, isn't it? So we, we spend quite a long time saying, move two inches closer to that barrel or, you know, move your hand back slightly. And then once we've got that, it's then me or me and Graham, the photographer, kind of firing random directions at you and <laughs> getting yeah. you to change your, slightly change your facial positions and your facial expressions. Yeah. Which I think is, is just really different from when you are being directed in a in a, an acting sense. So yeah, respect to models. Yeah, it's fair, but you know, acting, I don't think I've ever been acting and thought, what am I doing with my face? Because I'm just, <laughs> you just think about the acting, you just think about it's what you're doing as the character or what the emotion is happening and you just trust that your face is just gonna do its thing. And that's like the opposite yeah, because nothing's happening. Stop so you're you every thirty seconds and say, "Now look at these on a laptop." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So you're just moving your face and hoping it's yeah, and all you don't right. know, and you don't really know how it looks. So you're just having to be like, "Hope this is all right." I'm trying to look cross. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So what was what was enjoyable about it? <laughs> it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. It was a it was just fun to dress up. That yeah. was the night that I really enjoyed the costumes. Um, and then, yeah, just getting into it and 
playing around and yeah. having a laugh. You're getting angry at me. Yeah, that. Is it strange that you're going to be on the poster for a play that you might not be in? <laughs> yeah, I think so, a little bit. Mm. It's, go on. No, know. I always think that. I've, I've thought that a lot when we've seen the posters. Because before, I mean, we're members, we should know better. But before we've seen posters, I think it was for Big Malian. And I was like, then we went to see it and I was like, oh, yeah, they're not in it. Of course <laughs> they're not, because that's not how the posters yeah. work. But, is yeah, there's every chance, as you said, that people might... Uh, see us on the posters and be like, well, we'll go and see that then and then turn up and um, be really pleased that we're not in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is it strange as well? So I suppose today's maybe not the best example because it's a pretty well-known play, but you could be in a poster for a play you've never read and you don't mm. even know anything about and then you're trying to portray some kind of representation of a character from, you know, nothing. Mm. Yeah, like that must, must be really hard. You've just got to trust the other people yeah. in the room. Because I think even even then, just now when we were doing the shoot, we were going over to look at the photos. But, you know, I'm looking at the photos. I've, I've, this is me. Maybe I'm weird. When we're flicking through the photos, I, like, almost don't have an opinion on the photos because I'm just going, well, I'm just here to stand here and make the faces. And the director and the mm. marketing manager and the photographer, they're going to do that. And it's not, you know, it's almost like, I sort of see it as like, it's almost not my responsibility yeah. what they look like or what, because I'm just here, I'm just going to do my thing and move my face about and it's but up to them. I think, you know, we found, I've had, I suppose I've had quite a few experiences with different aspects of photo posters over the years. Um, it does really matter that you have actors doing it mm. yeah, because you're asking them to, albeit in a very compressed period of time in quite an artificial situation, but you are asking them to try and convey something that feels genuine, that people will connect with in some way. Yeah. And actually it's not just, you know, looking right and putting on a, a nice costume. There's yeah. something that happens that means you do need people who speak that kind of shorthand of actor-director, yeah. you know, dialogue. Yeah, you definitely um, feel that in the, in the shoot as well. You feel the relationship and you... you you know what you're trying to portray um and even though you don't have the the luxury of like the script or whatever it it does give you that sense of you know presence and what you're doing and the truth that you want to portray and i think that's so alistair i know because i i directed the last <laughs> show that you were in a photo poster for which yes. was mary shelley <laughs> in um 20 <laughs> 16 or 17 16. we did the shoot The shoot would have been it. 2016. Yeah. The show was 2017. So, um, tell us about that experience and how does this experience compare? That was a, that was a, a slightly more interesting uh, conceptual uh, shot. Thank you, Liz. Um, no costume to worry about. No costume to worry about because it was, it was <laughs> nudity from the waist up and just my back um, and it looking like um, amorous relations were occurring on a pile of books. Um, with someone that, uh, we, we, yeah, we got the parts, but I think we'd probably known each other all of about a week. <laughs> so it was, please. So Alistair was playing Percy Shelley yep. and um, Steph, uh, former member, was playing Mary Shelley. Yep. And I had this great idea <laughs> that they'd be kind of looking like they were having sex on a pile of books. And like most things with photo posters, you spend ages arranging the books. <laughs> <laughs> or the the set so today Rob and I spent a good half an hour lugging this barrel up from the furniture store and then you get to actually set up the shot and you think 
oh, is this going to work? <laughs> I don't know. Mm. It's just before the days of intimacy coordinators, wasn't it? This? It was, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and then the the added added wrinkle to that ointment is that Charlotte and I had met at the auditions for Mary Shelley, and we just started. Um, dating so we've been together for about <laughs> three two weeks, three weeks. weeks and i was like and I, right. was in, I was so i was in frankenstein yeah. which was uh, running alongside mary shelley and i wasn't in a poster I know, so i was just <laughs> just going off to do this poster they got I don't know, she saw me afterwards how was the shoot yeah yeah it was fine yeah it was, it was all fine yep yeah, nothing to worry about i don't think i told you, you did didn't. I? I didn't because i was like i'm just not gonna have this conversation so then we were walking past the theater and, and it was, was there so, it was like huge. five feet tall it was just me having sex with steph on the side of a building yes their fans were i think gripping your yeah. yes they back. were. They were. you can't even see my face it's just it the back matter. of my head so <laughs> it essentially could have been anyone <laughs> Well, I think all things considered, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that you agreed to come back and do another photo shoot with Charlotte, who is now your wife, um, and that you both still speak to me. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was it was a funny story we can look back you on can now. Laugh now, can't I, you? I can laugh just about that. <laughs> Great. So. Um, Finally, Charlotte, I'm going to ask you to uh, take part in our backstage binaries. Okay. This is a quick fire quiz where I will give you two choices and Ooh. you just pick okay. instinctively the first one that comes into your head. And then at the end, you have an opportunity to clarify one of them if you would like to. Okay. So um, I've also can't actually find the list, so I'm going to have to do this from what I can remember. <laughs> Don't worry, it will be fine. <laughs> On stage or backstage? On stage. Tech or dress? Oh, dress. Hair or makeup? Hair. Sound or lighting? Lighting. Props or costume? Costume. Rehearsal or performance? Performance. Act or direct? Act. <laughs> Comedy or tragedy? Oh, tragedy. Musical or drama? Drama. Period piece or postmodern? Postmodern. Any of those you'd like to clarify? Um, on stage, well, like they, they they sort of sum me up as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I said all the actor ones, like on stage in costume with my head, head looking nice. Um, I think the tragedy one. I like to. I think for me, my casting is very much the girly girl. Um, which is just mean like how I am, but I I'm like to get into characters that probably aren't necessarily like that and yeah. play, get into the sort of like nitty gritty of their of who they are. So I prefer a tragedy because I think it's got more more scope for finding the the like for example Lady Macbeth finding the bits that make her likable, even though she's seen as such a villain, making her human. As an audience member, would you go and watch comedy or tragedy? Because I often think actors and directors tend to prefer tragedy, but I wonder if audiences actually prefer comedy. Yeah, probably. You know, it's. I, I guess it depends because like you get the ones that are cathartic at the time of it, the, when you want to go yeah. see them. Mm. But saying that, I think if you if you were just off the cuff going to go to somebody who maybe isn't into theatre like as much to say family member, 
if I said to them, oh, let's go see this, and it was a comedy, they're much more likely, I think, to go, yeah, let's go and have a laugh and, and enjoy it. Um, whereas a tragedy is a bit of a journey. It takes you on a bit of a ride. Great. Well, thank you so much, Alistair and Charlotte, and um, we look forward to seeing you on the finished poster in a couple of weeks' time. Fab. Thank you for listening to the Amateur of Life and Death podcast. If you'd like to listen to more, make sure you subscribe at podcast.crescent-theatre.co.uk or via Spotify or Apple Podcasts to get the next episode. You can find out more about the Crescent Theatre Birmingham and our upcoming productions, including The Mercy Seat, by visiting www.crescent-theatre.co.uk or by following us on social media. Amateur of Life and Death is a Crescent Theatre production. It's researched and presented by Luke Plimmer, Laura East and Liz Plumpton. The podcast is edited by Kevin Middleton and the music is by Brendan Stanley. Brendan Stanley